there's a long way for you know the, the growth of assistive technology, but we also have to remember that it's how do we use this technology to augment the human experience? And, and that's really what we're talking about here at Abler in particular. It's like, you know, people with disabilities, we have a unique problem solving skill. And if we can use technology to, to augment that, you know, yeah, it, it, the future is limitless for us. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast. I'm Dominic Loricella, standing in for Lee Nasahi, and today's guest is the co-founder and CEO of Abler360, John Samuel. He's also working on a new book that should be out this year. John, thanks so much for being here today. Thank you so much, Dominic. I'm excited to be here. John is going to be a speaker at Vision Serve Alliance's 2022 Executive Leadership Conference in April, and we are very excited for you to be here with us today. So let's jump right in. Um, tell me a little bit about yourself and Abler 360. Yeah, um, well, I'm, I'm originally, like my story, it really goes back to where I, my 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 beginning of my my career actually and, and my education. Um, because when I was in college, I was diagnosed with a degenerating eye condition called retinitis pigmentosa. And I was embarrassed and ashamed to tell people that I had lost my sight and that I was going blind. And and, and because of that, I was just fearful. And so I kept it a secret for many years. I, I kept it a secret while I went to college. Eventually I graduated from college, then went around the globe because I was running away from, um, from telling people and I was figuring out workarounds. I went to India, I went to New York, I went to, uh, to Africa and then back to DC. And it was only in DC for the first time in my life where I was able to really open up about my vision loss with my classmates while I was doing grad school. And, and that, that kind of was a great experience. It was, it was kind of a coming out party for me myself as a blind person, but I was still scared that employers would see it as a, as a liability and didn't disclose it. And uh, there was a serendipitous encounter that happened that allowed me to, to come back home to North Carolina. And I met the then president of LCI, uh, the largest employer of Americans who are blind in, in North Carolina. And, and it was talking to him, he wanted to create a new technology business that would create upper mobility for people who are blind. And when I, when I met with him, I, I learned about this organization. It was just, it was the first time I could be my true self, my authentic self in the workplace. And so I joined LC, I did tasked with doing that. And I launched a digital accessibility practice. And because I knew that was one of the biggest barriers that had hindered me in my career. But when I started thinking about the holistic approach to it, there was other things we had to do. We had to eliminate the digital divide. We had to change the mindsets of people and organizations, and we had to create pathways for employment. And so that's what led to the formation of Abler, which is a joint venture between LCI and a private organization in North Carolina called Walk West. And, uh, and so that's what we are. Our whole mission is how do we remove the barriers for people with disabilities? Now, what's the what's the reach of that organization? Now, I know you said, you know, you traveled all over the world. And, and, and it sounds like, you know, when people talk about traveling all around the world, it sounds, you know, they're very excited about it. But it, it sounds like from what you just told me, you know, it was more of a uh, something that you that you had to do because you you um, weren't necessarily um, feeling like you could be included in um, whether it was the workplace or your career. Um, so what's that journey sort of been like for you? <clears throat> yeah, I mean. Uh, you're right. People want to go around. They find it exciting. And to me, it was a necessity. I moved to India because I knew I could get a car and driver there for pretty cheap. 
and I moved to New York City because of the public transportation. I moved to Africa because it gave me an opportunity to build a team around me. There was no place in, in the U.S. where I could, at that time, with only a few years of work experience under my belt, that an organization would let me build something around me. And that's what I did in Africa. I built an entire team really designed to protect my secret of going blind. And um, it was challenging. I traveled four days a week in Africa from different countries because the, country, the company I had started in Cameroon, we had immediate success. I took a $20,000 investment and within 14 months, we had generated uh, $12 million in revenue, $2.4 million in profit. And, and within three years, I had operations in eight countries and sales in 22. And, you know, out of safety, my own personal safety, I didn't want people to know. And so I would travel around, I'd find taxi drivers who I could trust. And um, they became my lifeline. They really protected me. They were very protective of me. They watched over me. And um, it was exciting. I, at the same time, it was, it was the only way I knew I could prove myself uh, to be, you know, be on a level playing field with other people. What can you tell me about your beginnings and then, you know, how you got to where you are today? Yeah. So I started off my career in Bangalore, India, working in corporate finance. And the reason I went into finance and accounting was I knew I wanted to do business. And I really, I thought that accounting and finance would be the kind of the, the language of business, understanding the numbers, understanding that foundational component of it. And so I had, you know, I was blessed to have a father who was a, an executive of a company and I had seen that. So I knew, you know, the importance of understanding the numbers and that's why I did it. That was, that was foundation. But I struggled you know, with certain aspects of, of doing accounting and finance was the Excel. I didn't understand how to use an assistive technology. I didn't know anything about it. I had, no, I had never met, met another blind person in my life at that point. And so I was figuring out different workarounds. I figured out that if I inverted the colors of my Excel sheets, it'd be easier for me to see. And then when I moved to New York and I was working, I found this little mouse, this Microsoft mouse that would magnify things and allowed me to zoom in. And so when I was figuring out these different workarounds and figuring out the different aspects of, you know, in New York, I was speaking a lot at, for, for the city. I was building up these skills, these things that would be beneficial to me as I moved up in my career. And, and when I built that company in Africa, I leveraged both of those. I knew that finances were going to be critical because we had to be transparent and we want to be ethical in the way that we operated. And then being able to speak about the need for telecom in Africa, that all helped me. And I think that experience in, in my MBA has uh, prepared me to launch Abler and, uh, and have the success that we're having today. How has accessible technology evolved? And, you know, do you think it, it, it still has a ways to go? Oh, yeah. You know, there's a long way to go uh, in terms of assistive technology, but I think we're seeing some really cool stuff. You know, for me, it's all new because I all new within the last five years. It was five years ago that I really embraced the fact that I had no more, my usable vision was diminished and I had to learn how to use a screen reader because I had no other option. And I, and I spent weeks just, you know, I, for me, I started listening to audiobooks and that trained my ear to be able to listen faster. So when I was starting to use the screen reader, I had trained myself to be able, be able to listen fast and I could use the keyboard strokes that, that eased my transition. But it was out of a need and necessity for me to want to be successful in my career. I knew that was going to be the, um, the foundational component. And so now, you know, that 
you know, now as somebody who uses a screen reader on a daily basis and has, you know, I, I learned how to use a cane and because I saw the impact that the, um, that the screen reader had in my life. And, you know, those two pieces changed my life. And so now when I start to think about, you know, where we are in this whole, like, uh, you know, the future of assistive technology, I think about AI. You know, I think about the ways we can leverage AI for good. And that means, you know, using um, applications like Seeing AI, which is from Microsoft, a free application, which allows us to, you know, scan text and be able to read it in real time. In, in those type of technologies could be really beneficial for us. But we also have to be very careful about the replacement of AI for, let's say, digital accessibility on a website, because that's not a, a viable solution. And so one of the things that we talk about is that there's a lot, there's a long way for, you know, the, the growth of assistive technology, but we also have to remember that it's how do we use this technology to augment the human experience? And, and that's really what we're talking about here at Abler in particular. It's like, you know, people with disabilities, we have a unique problem-solving skill. And if we can use technology to, to augment that, you know, yeah, it, it, the future is limitless for us. I want to talk more a little about that, about companies and organizations that might not realize the importance of assistive and accessible technologies. What are some of the barriers that, that individuals with visual impairments face in the workplace that companies might not realize? And, and how can companies go about fixing that or adapting to that? Yeah, I think the first major barrier that um, individuals with disabilities and people with a, um, who are, you know, with have visual impairments is it's 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 a it's the mindset and stigmas of individuals in the workplace who may you know because of the lack of proximity to people or lack of understanding of what our capabilities are that's the first barrier we have to change and that's why we created a disability inclusion training module to really kind of help change that mindset and I often talk about something called proximity builds empathy and that's why I like to go out and share my story is that the more I can share my story and change the you know people's, um, you know, their impression of what it is to have a disability or, or be visually impaired, if I can change that, that's going to be carrying over in all aspects of our life. So I think if we can first change the, you know, the stigmas and, uh, and uh, the you know, mental barriers that are the fear of seeing the wrong thing, that type of, uh, of challenges, because those are needless. We don't need those. Those are, you know, I can see some physical things that may be there that we have to take, you know, uh, it's going to take some time to change, but you know, the mental piece, we can change that right away. Then when we think about it, you know, the assistive, the accessibility, digital accessibility, we see it in all of our systems. Like you go from, it's not just about websites, your, you know, your, your homepage or whatever, but it really starts at your career page. Think about the career. If somebody can't even apply for a job on your website, now you've excluded a bunch of people. But think about that entire employee journey mapping from, uh, from recruitment to, uh, you know, application to uh, hiring, onboarding, you know, training, promotion, you know, these are the, these are where we have to really think about all the different challenges that people are going to face and address those. Um, and that's what we're working with companies to do. We want them to look at this holistic approach, not just your website, your external facing things, but look at your internal systems. And um, that's something we can all change together. Can you talk to me about some of the companies uh, that you've worked with, or at least some of the like the bigger projects that you've done um, to to you know help the blind and visual visually impaired community? Yeah, for sure. I mean, over the last year, we worked with really cool companies. Uh, one company that uh, we're working with right now is 
uh, Museum of Flight. So they heard me speak at an event and uh, at an American Marketing Association event. And when they heard me speak, they had never even thought about accessibility of their website. So they brought us on to do the accessibility of the website. And we did that. And they enjoyed that experience so much. And they're like, wow, that's, this is huge. We also want you to now to do our, our e-commerce, our store website. So we worked on that. Now they're like, wait, we're, we're opening up doors for people on our website. What about our physical exhibits? So right now we're actually in the process of, of uh, coming up with a scope for them to make their exhibits universally designed so that not only, you know, it will help people who are blind and low vision, but it'll help everyone. And that's a really cool project because it's going to be able to now open up a whole new experience for people who are blind that they previously couldn't really enjoy. And uh, that's just one example of a cool project. We also were uh, selected to help with the North Carolina Election Board to make sure that online and absentee balloting is accessible. You know, I, we talk about that voting is a civil right, but so is accessibility. And so the fact that we're able to support you know, the, the voting and giving our voices out there, uh, making sure that it's accessible for all people, that's super cool. I guess I want to pivot now. I want to talk about, well, not sort of a pivot, but more of a segue <laughs> about speaking at the Executive Leadership Conference. So you're going to be going over your keynote, the idea of belonging in a diverse world. What are you going to be speaking about during that keynote? What can people expect? Yeah, so I mean, there's been a lot of talk about diversity, equity, and inclusion in the workplace. And, you know, when I was um, coming back to North Carolina after grad school and after a job that that I got uh, the company folded and I was out of a job again, I was looking for jobs with different companies. And uh, somebody told me, he's like, you should reach out to all these companies with DEI programs because they're going to be more likely to hire people, you know, who have a visual impairment. That's at least what I thought. So when I started reaching out to all these companies, I didn't even get a single response from any one of those companies. And I felt like I just didn't check a box that they wanted to check off. And so I started thinking with my education, my experience and my privilege, if I can't find a job, what about other people? And that's really got me thinking is that DEI programs before was really just a compliance issue. A lot of people are just trying to check a box off. And I realized that, you know, we also need to add accessibility because too often in the case, I couldn't even apply for a job. As I mentioned, I could not do that. I'd have to rely on my wife to apply for jobs for me. And so if I can't even apply for a job and their website's not accessible, what kind of accommodations and accessibility is going to be in the the actual workplace? And so I realized that there just wasn't enough, you know, representation on all these DEI task force and committees. And I got quite involved And and I realized that we need to change the acronym of DEI to IDEA. So inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. And so that's where I realized that to me, inclusion really is around the sense of belonging. And so when we talk about the idea of building a sense of belonging, that's the idea is, is the inclusion, diversity, equity, and accessibility. And I, and I hope to talk about, you know, the need for all of us, you know, especially in the, in the blind community, we, we talk about our mission all the time and we're talking about DEI, but there's also intersectionalities and we need to make sure that accessibility is part of all of our DEI programs.
What does it mean to you when you see these companies, whether they're involved with Abler or not, when you see progress in this sort of accessibility, in all this inclusion? As I said, you know, you, you travel all over the place talking to people, you know, whether they're blind or visually impaired or not. What's it like to be able to see this change happening over uh, however many years it's been? Yeah, no, it's exciting. It, it makes me happy to see that we're, we're, we're making changes. But my measurement of success is how many people who are blind have you hired? How many people who are blind have been promoted? How many people who are blind are now holding leadership roles in your company? So as, as happy as I am to see some changes, I think there's still some other key metrics. And, and again, I mentioned people who are blind because that's you know our community, but the broader disability community, when we make these changes, I want to see that. Again, it's just not about saying, oh, we have a... a DEIA program, or we're doing making our website accessible. But are we actually seeing that change? Are we seeing people with disabilities in all levels of the company, not just at the entry level, but are we seeing that, you know, we're, we're hiring people everywhere? That's, that's when I'm going to be super happy. But right now, I'm happy. I, I, I'm glad that we're making changes. But I want to make sure that it's not just a surface level change, but rather, uh, you know, in the foundation and, and the way that we build our organizations. What sort of advice do you have for both employers and employees who want to be stronger leaders? Yeah. So from an employers and employees, you know, employees with disabilities and employees who, who, who need accommodation and accessibility, we need to support those individuals. And there needs to be, it goes back to that building, that sense of, of uh, belonging, that culture within the employer that the individuals can ask for accommodation. They should feel comfortable. Hey, I need this. I need this accommodation. I need this, you know, assistive technology or, or whatever they need to be successful in their job. And the employer should also be willing to listen and be able to build that culture, but they should not put that responsibility onto that employee. And right now we're actually talking to an organization who has recently hired somebody who is blind in their organization. And it makes me so happy because they're trying to make sure that this person's set up for success. And, but they don't want to put the onus on that individual to fix all the issues. And so when we think about that, employers should not be putting the onus on the individual to fix the issues within their company for them, but rather reach out to people who do this on an on a everyday basis and help make the change from that way. Because otherwise, because the individual who joined your organization, they have their own daily tasks. They have their own, they're trying to be successful in their own job but reach out to other organizations who can help you um, and share best practices. But it is important to build a culture that you're hearing from your, your employees so that they can uh, have their voices heard. And I think the more that they feel that sense of belonging, you'll see them be happier. You'll see them be more loyal and you'll see them be their full self and you'll see them be able to grow within your organization and be leaders and advocates for your, your organization and brand. Going off of that, I always like to ask people, um, whether it's in your career or in your personal life, just in your experience, you know, do you have any like favorite memories re regarding helping others and, and, and helping push for this accessibility? Yeah, for sure. I mean, my biggest success, no matter, I mean, forget all the, any of the financial or, or, you know, recognition awards, whatever that's, I don't, that stuff's not important, but the most, the thing I'm most proud of that in my career has been the development of a young lady named Shannon Garner. She actually joined 
she was the very first person who joined my team. She was in manufacturing, but when we did a assessment, a skills assessment, we realized that she had, you know, some really great technical skills. And so brought her on to a project that we were working with this, um, this mobile application company that we wanted to create a call center role for, but their product was not accessible. So we weren't setting her up for success. And she said, John, I got to go back to manufacturing because this isn't the right fit for me. And it broke my heart. And so she went back to manufacturing. Although manufacturing is a very noble profession, I knew that she was underemployed there. And so when we built the digital accessibility practice and I got that set up, I went back out to the manufacturing floor and I grabbed her. I said, come, come back. I'm ready for you. And she now is our, a senior digital accessibility analyst. She's now training people all over the country to become digital accessibility analysts. And her growth, she's off of SSI. She is a rock star. And I've seen how digital accessibility and how we set people up for success, how they can flourish. And that's what I'm most proud of. And that's the biggest piece of my, I think, in my life right now, other than my wife and my boys, um, that's the thing I'm most proud of. I want to talk about your book too. You had mentioned to me that um, you're working on a new book that should be coming out by the end of the year. Tell me a little bit about it. Yeah. So I'm working on the book right now. It's it, the title will be um, don't ask a blind guy for directions, a 30,000 mile journey for love, confidence, and a sense of belonging. And so it really is about my, my journey, losing my sight, you know, going around the world, uh, even climbing Mount Kilimanjaro, as somebody who's blind, but never even having that sense of belonging until I um, came to LCI and um, launched Abler and why we're doing what we do, why we know the lines of business that we have to start, why we're you know addressing the barriers. And so to share my story, as I mentioned, is to help build proximity builds empathy. If I can help uh, an individual not think about accessibility as a line of code, but rather about a story about an individual, and, you know, or not just an individual, but people, because that's really what it's about. And that's what the hope for my uh, sharing my story in the, in the book is all about, is to help employers, you know, uh, you know change, the, change it from just compliance to actual, how do we imp- improve the experiences for our employees and our, our customers? So I hope that uh, I'm excited about it. We've been working on it for a year, should be out, you know, in another six months or so, but um yeah, I would love if people can follow on LinkedIn. You know, I'm quite active on LinkedIn and uh, and also we'll find out more information on the website, johngsamuel.com. And so we're building out the website right now. So it's been a really cool experience and uh, I'm so thankful for that. I want to get back to the Executive Leadership Conference real quick. I know you've, I think in your bio, I read, um, you know, you've done some TEDx talks. Um, <laughs> you've spoke at conferences like this before. Yeah. Talk to me about the importance of, of attending these and, and seeing a lot of, you know, different perspectives, whether it comes to accessibility or, or leadership, um, or even just anything in the, in the blind and visually impaired community. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be speaking again in person, because I want people to see my cane. I want my cane to hit you on the leg, I, because I didn't have that confidence before. I used to be so timid about being blind and ashamed, right? I kept it a secret. But now when I get out there on stage and I share my story and I talk and, and, and you know, talk about the need for disability inclusion, the need for accessibility, it's something I'm proud of now. And it's something that I, I want that, you know, that platform. I'm thankful that I have a platform to be able to share my story and talk on. And, uh, and, um, and I hope that this paves the way for other people. So, you know, 
being able to speak at the executive conference is a, is a true honor. I've, you know, uh, I'm just so thankful for all of the, the opportunities over the last three years. And, and this is just an example. This is just, it's just a testament to what is possible when you can be open um, and be your true self. And because none of this was happening beforehand, but the moment I was able to open up and be my true self, feel that I could be open about whatever, talk about my visual impairment and not have any fear or judgment about it. Um, this is just a testament of what's possible. This is just a, it's an exciting experience and I'm excited to be back in, in person. And, you know, with the, the community that the, the VSA community, I'm excited to meet other leaders in the community because I want to see more representation of, of that growth, that promotions of, of people who are blind within the organizations, right? Because there's a lot of, we talk about wanting to have people with representation at all levels of the organization. And, and that's my hope is that um, by sharing my story, talking about the need for accessibility and improving not just your external websites, but your internal processes, that's how we're going to set up people for success. And, uh, and, uh, and I love what we're doing at VSA and, uh, and I'm so thankful. Thank you again, John, for joining us today. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you'd like to learn more about John and stay informed, you can visit his website, johngsamuel.com, that's John with an H, or connect with him on LinkedIn. VSA's Executive Leadership Conference takes place in Tampa, Florida from April 3rd to the 6th, and you can register at visionservealliance.org forward slash conferences. On behalf of Lee Nasahi and all of Vision Serve Alliance, thank you again for listening and stay tuned for future episodes of the Voices of Vision Leaders podcast.